coming up next on Contemplate. You will suffer sometimes, and it will not be because you did something bad. It's not a punishment. There's some other purpose or reason for it. That was Pastor David Robinson from Axe Church, and this is Contemplate. One of the most often asked questions about faith is why do bad things happen? And over the next two episodes, Pastor David will help us sort through the misconceptions to find the truth. Here's today's lesson, recorded live at Axe Church. This week is The Problem of Pain. And that's actually a title for a book written by C.S. Lewis. I don't know if I've mentioned him before. Have I mentioned C.S. Lewis? Seems like I might have. Um, And he's referring to the problem of pain or the problem of evil. You may have heard it that way, the problem of suffering, the logical problem of evil, the problem of moral evil. There's There's a number of ways to refer to it. When I say any of those things, I'm talking about this problem, the pro- this problem, the problem of evil, okay? And we're going to talk about that today. Um, and it's a difficult subject. This is one of the most difficult. It's one of the most difficult. So let's just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay out the basic issue for you in the problem of evil. I'm going to do that first. Then we're going to go through and kind of unpack it and, and, and move through that way. The basic issue of, of the problem of evil or the logical problem of evil is this. If there was a God who was all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-loving, there would be no evil. But there is evil. Therefore, God is either not all-powerful, or all-knowing, or all-loving, or he doesn't exist at all. That's it. That's the logical problem. That's the way that it's stated. People also use some other terms for it. They say things like, why do bad things happen to good people? You may have heard that. Or why would a good God allow evil to exist? That's the really simple way of putting it. Why would a good God allow evil to exist? This is the problem of evil. Now, before we get into the philosophy and the difficult part of answering this question from an intellectual level, let me tell you that I understand that these kinds of answers, the intellectual answers, the philosophical answers, do not necessarily help those who are dealing with pain right here and right now. We had a a night of prayer this last Tuesday night. And by the way, what a wonderful time of getting to come before God. Those of you who weren't able to come, hopefully the next time we do this, you will. It's not awkward or embarrassing or weird when when we get together and pray together. It really was special. We got a chance to pray for some people who are going through suffering right now. And I just want you to know that when it comes to real suffering, as a pastor, my answer is not to give you a sermon on the problem of evil. In the case of real suffering, my answer is to be with you, to cry with you, to be next to you, for us to love each other. Okay, because philosophical answers are great to answer philosophical questions, but real pain and real suffering require real love. Okay, and I understand that. The last thing I want is for you to feel like you can't come to me or the other people at this church and say, hey, I'm suffering, I'm in pain. Because we're going to be like, oh, no, didn't you see week five skeptics forum? Go to the website. That explains all the thing. Once you know that, you'll never feel pain again. Um, It's not like that. I I know that pain is real. I know that pain is real. I know that knowledge by itself does not solve pain. I also know this. I love the church. I love the church of Jesus Christ. But I also realize that the church 
has caused a lot of pain and suffering. And some of you may be out here this morning thinking, yeah, it's not just that God allows pain and suffering. The church has caused it in my life. And I know it's happened. People in the church have caused other people to suffer, have done evil to other people. Let me just apologize up front for my family, the church. We've made mistakes. Um, we're, 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 the church is people, and people make mistakes. And that's part of the fallen world that we live in, and we'll get into all that. But let me just say I'm sorry if that's the case. I do understand that that's happened, and I want to be sensitive that when we talk about pain and suffering in the abstract, in philosophical terms and intellectual terms, that does not mean I don't understand real pain and real suffering that you're dealing with right now. Because every one of us is either suffering right now, or we just came out of suffering, or we're heading into suffering. That's life, right? That's life. We, we are constantly in this position of going in and out of different sufferings and pains. In the midst of that, there's a lot of joy. There's a lot of joy, but there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of pain. Um, and knowledge about how to solve the problem of evil is not going to be enough to soothe your pain. C.S. Lewis says this. He says, when pain is to be born, a little courage helps more than much knowledge. A little human sympathy more than much courage and the least tincture of the love of God more than all. Let's remember that as we learn these new things and we discover the Christian answer the Christian worldview regarding the problem of evil, that it is it solves the issue of whether God exists or not. It does not solve the issue of whether your brother, your sister, your friend, your husband, your wife is suffering. Okay? All right. In Psalm 13, the psalmist says this. He says, How long, O Lord, Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God, and lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemy say I have prevailed against him, lest those who trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But... I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Now, we see David, the author of this psalm, suffering. Not only suffering, but not hearing from God. A man after God's own heart, a man who has dedicated himself to the Lord is suffering. His enemy is overcoming him, and he's saying, how long is this going to happen? But at the end of it, he says, but I trust you. I trust in your salvation. I'm going to sing because you've dealt with me bountifully. Let me just tell you that when I've gone through suffering, I was not saying that I was going to sing for how bountifully the Lord had treated us. But somehow, the psalmist is able to say that. Now, there's got to be some reason for that. There's got to be something that David knows in this psalm that I didn't know. 
And so we've got to go through it and figure it out. How is a God who knows everything, who's all-powerful, and who's supposed to be all good, all love, how does he allow evil and suffering to exist? Let me start by saying this. The problem of evil, the problem of pain is not just a problem for Christianity, okay? Every single worldview has to answer this question. Why is there evil and suffering? Why is there evil and suffering? Why does it exist? Most people in the world are theists. That means they believe in God. Most, by far and away, most people. You know. And these people all have the same basic problem of evil. If your God is good and so on, why is there evil? But then there are others who um, believe in a God that's not personal. And then there are atheists, naturalists, who we've talked about before, who believe that nothing but the universe exists. But all of them have to answer the question, why is there evil? Why is there suffering? So let's start with, uh, let's talk about Buddhists. I love talking about Buddhists, uh, mostly because I like saying Buddha. It's a fun word. Um, so Buddha was a, a dude, lived a long time ago, and he had an answer, the answer for his worldview, about why evil and suffering exist. And here's what he said. Buddha said, evil and suffering, suffering exists because of desire. It is desire that causes suffering. Now, let's, let's stop there for a minute because sometimes what we do when, we, when we're not thinking well or clearly enough, is we take a worldview like Buddhism or Hinduism or Islam or whatever it happens to be, and we throw everything out. Say, so, no, we're Christians, so that means automatically we believe nothing that these people believe. But that's not really true. The truth is, is that, that almost every worldview has some truth in it. And Buddha is actually pretty close here when he says that suffering is caused by desire. We see in Genesis 3, we see Eve in the garden, and she desires this fruit, and she takes it and eats it, gives it to Adam. He desires it also, and bad things happen. We know that we desire things that are wrong sometimes, and when we partake in them, suffering happens. Desire is what leads to suffering. So here's his solution. This is the Buddhist solution to the problem of evil. Don't desire anymore. That seems pretty simple. If you don't desire anything, you can't be upset if you don't get it. Right? Get rid of desires. Get rid of pain. Get rid of suffering. This is how we reach nirvana. Not the rock band from the 90s. But this state of consciousness where we no longer are tied to anything from the world. And some of us, especially Western people who are very materialistic, we look to Buddhism and, and kind of like some because like, hey, I'm going to get rid of all this materialistic stuff. I'm not going to have any desires, which we desire a lot of things and realize that it brings us trouble. So the Buddhist answer seems like a good one, but here's the problem. In order to get rid of all desire, you have to get rid of all desire the desire to do bad, and the desire to do good. Because when you desire to do bad, clearly when you do the bad thing, it causes suffering. But when you desire to do good, Buddha would say equally that if that thing that you desire doesn't happen, then you suffer. 
So you have to get rid of all desires. When Buddha left his house, his palace, he was a rich guy, to go and, and go on this journey of self-discovery and so on, it was the night that his son was born. He left his family. See, ultimately, to get rid of all desire, you have to separate yourself completely from the world. So the Buddhist answer to suffering is to throw out the baby and the bathwater. Let's get rid of all desires, good ones and bad ones. The problem with that is you can never help anybody. Once you start to want to help people, that want is a desire. That desire is going to lead you to pain. You're not getting closer to nirvana. You're getting further away because you've got desires. You've got to get rid of your desires. So you basically, you've got to leave your friends. You've got to leave your family. You can't desire those relationships. Buddhism is a, is a monastic tradition, meaning monks, those who are really, really serious about it, they go up in a mountain somewhere, cut themselves off from everybody and everything, and live by themselves. But what's the problem with that? You can't do any social good. You can't help anybody. You can't do anything for anybody that helps anybody because it requires you to desire. So the answer to the problem of evil for the Buddhist, they got some of the reason for suffering right, but the answer keeps them from being able to do bad or good. Essentially, the answer is not for being able to do anything. So it doesn't work. Now, along with Buddhism and Hinduism, um, there's this idea of karma. You've probably heard of karma before. Um, and, and karma is the idea that when you do something bad, you're going to get bad. When you do something good, you're going to get good. It's, it, it has some reason behind it. Bad things tend to have bad consequences. Good things have to have, happen to have good consequences. But when you couple that with other concepts of evil that some of the other religions share that essentially says, hey, look, God is punishing you. That's why you suffer. And in the case of, of some Eastern religions where you are reincarnated, you could be suffering. They could say, that's because you did something evil. And you could be like, but I didn't do anything. And they'd be like, oh, that's okay. You did it in a past life. See, because that still works too. So any evil that you do continues to be with you forever, even though you can't remember your past life. The karma follows you. Got to explain it somehow. Got to explain the suffering somehow. It's you did something evil. God is punishing you. You did something evil. Or your parents did something evil. Or your grandparents did something evil. This is the answer that they have. You got to contrast that with the Christian worldview. The Christian worldview does not agree that all suffering is the result of your sin or your parents' sin or your grandparents' sin. In John 9, Jesus comes upon a blind man and says this, John 9, 1 through 3, it says, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? You see the worldview? that they have, if something bad happened to you, if you're suffering, it's because you sinned or your parents sinned, somebody did something bad, that's why you suffer. This is a worldview that was prominent. But Jesus pushes back against it. He pushes up against it. He says this, Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Jesus is saying, hey, there's an entirely different reason for his suffering. There's an entirely different reason for his suffering. 
Now, whether we believe it's a sufficient reason that God's glory would be revealed in him, we'll, we'll get to that. But Jesus is definitely saying it's not a result of the sin of his parents or his sin. His blindness has nothing to do with that. In other words, you will suffer sometimes, and it will not be because you did something bad. It's not a punishment. There's some other purpose or reason for it. That's the Christian way of looking at the reason suffering happens. Now, let's, let's move on from kind of the Eastern religion and the, and the God punishes worldview of, of, of suffering. Let's go to the naturalist worldview. Now, you'll remember if you were here for the week we talked about naturalism, that naturalism believes that the universe is all that exists, and we can only know that which we can sense and that which we can test with a the scientific theory. That's it. That's all that exists. Okay? You have to remember that that's their worldview. So a naturalist looks at the world and sees all the bad things that people do and says, that's evil. And then he has the problem of evil to prove that God doesn't exist. Hey, look at all this evil that exists. If this evil exists, then a good and all-powerful and all-knowing God can't exist. And it seems, on first thought, like that makes sense. But you have to back up a second. And ask yourself this question. The standard by which the naturalist is judging good and evil, where did the naturalist get those ideas? See, those ideas are what we call objective moral values. In other words, uh, the Christian worldview, most worldviews believe that there's such a thing as right and wrong. Here's the problem. For the naturalist, there's no such conception. There can't be. How could you ever test these things with science? Can you touch a moral value? Can you taste a moral value? Can you weigh justice? You can't. So, Think about what that implies. For the naturalist to say that because evil exists, God can exist, he's got a problem. Because when he says evil exists, he's admitting an objective moral law. Here's the thing about objective moral law. An objective moral law implies, requires, necessitates an objective moral law giver. One of the arguments for the existence of God is the argument for morality. If it's true that there is such a thing as morality, there's no question logically that there is, such, that there is a God. Now, the atheist, the naturalist, gets themselves caught in a conundrum, a little dilemma, because he says, evil exists, therefore God doesn't exist. But as soon as he says evil exists, there has to be a God in order for evil to exist. But then he says, but because evil exists, God can exist. I see some eyes rolling through your head. That's, that's all right. Listen, if the atheist, the naturalist says that evil exists, there has to be a God in order for good and evil to be real things that exist. The, the standard upon which he wants to judge and say that God doesn't exist is the standard that proves that God does exist. So the atheist, the naturalist, has a problem of evil. Because no matter what they say, everyone knows the Holocaust was evil. The only way out of that is to say it's not evil. 
It just is what people do. There's no good or bad about it. And you can do that, but in order to, to hold your naturalism, your atheism, and say things like that, you've got to step outside of humanity. No one wants to be around you if you believe that. They've got a problem because every, everybody knows. Everybody knows that there's good and evil. Unfortunately, if there's good and evil, then there's a God. Or fortunately, there's a God. See, we think that the world is broken. Humans look at the world and we say, it's broken. There's something wrong with it. It ought to be different. That is the cry of our hearts. It ought to be different. But an atheist can't do that. If there's nothing but the universe, where would we ever get the idea that there should be something different? Remember, for him, the universe just popped into existence out of nothing. It's just moving along as it moves along. But yet the atheist does know. The naturalist does know. They know that there's something wrong with the world. They know that there's such a thing as evil and good. This is what uh, C.S. Lewis says about uh, this particular issue. He says, consequently, atheism turns out to be too simple. If the whole universe has no meaning, we should never have found out that it has no meaning. Just as if there were no light in the universe and therefore no creatures with eyes, we should never know it was dark. Dark would be without meaning. But we do know. We do know. And therefore atheism, naturalism, has a problem of evil. Nevertheless, they continue to prop up the problem of evil as a problem for Christianity, that we have to explain how God can exist and be good and loving and all-knowing, and that evil could still exist. So let's talk about that. But before I do, let me just say this to those of you who may be you're not Christians yet. You're not following Christ. Maybe you're a skeptic. You're an agnostic. You're an atheist. That's cool. I want you here. I like you. But here's the deal. When I explain the answer to the problem of evil, to the, to, you're, you're, you're putting it forward to the Christian God, I get to use Christian theology, Christian answers to the question. Right? So I get to presume that the Christian God does exist to explain why he would allow evil. Okay, just to be just to be fair, because if what you're saying, if what the atheist or the naturalist is saying is that some random God can't exist, that's a certain random God. Well, I agree with him. Some random God doesn't exist. So we're all in agreement there. But if you want to say that the Christian God can't exist, then I get to explain it through Christianity. Now let's let's get to unpacking how the Christian God can exist and be all powerful and all knowing and all loving and yet evil and be allowed. You'll want to be sure and listen to the next episode and learn more about the problem of pain and evil. You've been listening to Pastor David Robinson from Axe Church, and this is Contemplate. Let me invite you to join us for church this Sunday morning. No matter what kind of pain you might be going through, you can find hope and healing in Christ. And at Axe Church, there's a great big family of folks that would love to help you do just that.
Get directions and all the info you need at axcamus.org or call 360-885-9000. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to click on the next episode for more with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate. Contemplate.